Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number 63 of The Other Six Podcast. My name is Chad Boak, and I am your host. Joining me once again in the studio, my co-host, our worship pastor, composer of the hit Thanksgiving single entitled, I'm All About That Based, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Matt Collins. Matt, how are you today, sir? I wish that I was that funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to be. I'm here to help you, Yeah, man. I, like, I wish that I came up with yeah, that. Yeah, we'll, we'll work on some for Adam yeah, at some okay. point. Speaking of Adam, joining us in the studio today, our lead pastor, Mr. Adam Bishop. Adam, how are you, sir? I'm just happy to hear you acknowledge Thanksgiving. I mean, I know how yeah. much you like Christmas. Yeah. And so I figured, you know, since we, skip we're on the other completely. side of Halloween, we'd be talking about Christmas puns. You dropped in a Thanksgiving one. I'm well, proud for of the you. record, I've got two more weeks planned of them. So the next two. Of Thanksgiving puns? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have a Thanksgiving joke. Well, we, Would you like we, to hear it? We look, oh, we get to hear it today. You want to hear it now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's already polished. He had it ready what, to go. What does a turkey cell phone say? Wing, wing, wing. Get it? Because they have wings? Wow. <laughs> you could say that about a chicken. Can you shoot turkeys legally in your yard in Alabama? Does anybody know the law on that? I mean, at the risk of sounding wrong, I think you can shoot most things in your yard in Alabama. Yeah, so, I mean, pretty, <laughs> it's pretty loose law. Yeah. Pretty I mean, loose laws when it comes to your so, property. Yeah. I heard... Um, I heard there was going to be a t- turkey shortage this year, as in there, with everything. Yeah. I don't is. know. Like, are they all start stuck in a cargo ship <laughs> right. off the Probably. Gulf of Mexico? <laughs> I don't know why we'd have a turkey shortage, but I got a dozen of them walking around right, in my right. yard. We're good to go, man. Yeah. So I might be setting up shop selling some turkeys this <laughs> I was year. I say. Yeah. You could, you could probably make some good money on that. Yeah. I just didn't know. I think you're supposed to have a license. Okay. I don't have that. I have absolutely no so idea. I, well, maybe we, I, if I could recruit somebody on this podcast, come on out to the property. We know a lot we'll of good shoot some. You're going to get some emails this week yeah. i'm pretty yeah. sure yeah. yeah but um i mean we're not even trying to fatten them up i don't know what they're eating on our property that they huh. like so much but they big old turkeys oh yeah i mean i haven't gotten super close to them okay. you know because i don't want to okay. spook them but uh <laughs> so you know i need to keep them comfortable right you know, we got to keep fattening them up so yeah. hope, hopefully pete is not listening right now but anyway <laughs> i just didn't know like what the law on that was i might but if we take them out i bet sweet creek would buy them from me probably so. and, uh, yeah. sell them right there yeah. well, they're, well they're, i don't know if they're selling pumpkins anymore so, yeah uh, uh, that, I, uh, I i don't know the laws when it comes to turkey hunting right, well, but i'm sure out. somebody does All i'm right. sure we can I got a few more weeks to fatten them up and yeah I'm sure we can figure that out. out there, we need to know the answer. Yeah, so if you, you can let us know in the comments, that yeah, would be fantastic. Yeah, have also got some wild boars on the property as well. Really? Yeah, we got to get rid of them. Man, like, they're tearing like up. they're not domesticated or like they're wild and no, they party no, all the time? No, I've, <laughs> seen, okay. I've seen somebody walking a pig on a leash before. That's a sight to be told. Not in Alabama. <laughs> yeah, anyway. So, no, they're like, for real, wild. Like, I have uh, so many questions. Like the Lion you know, right? King, like the yeah. Warthog. Like Pumbaa. Yeah, Pumba. no Timon, yeah, yeah, yeah. just Pumbaa. Yeah. Okay. Tearing up the property, man. So uh, I got to figure out what we're going to do about those as well. Things you never knew about living in uh, Pike Road, Alabama, huh? Yeah, it's yeah. insane, man. I, I mean, all, all kind of wild. I, mean, I had to kill a snake the other night. So uh, Look at you, man. Yeah, big old snake, man. He was living hanging out right farm. there. Farmer Adam over here. Farmer Adam. He was right there at the bottom of the steps off the porch. So uh, thankfully, Jacob and Henry spotted him. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so my snake identification skills are still kind of lacking. But the only kind of snake I know of is a good snake. I mean, a, a dead snake. Unless right. it's kind yeah. of the ones that... The yard, there are good snakes that won't yeah, hurt yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, snake. yeah, yeah. But this one's yeah. head was shaped like the venomous kind of snakes. I don't think there's any reason to, like, gamble on that if it's near your house. Like, well, you know I, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I smoked him, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's I awesome. I got my shovel and it was so long, snake. <laughs> boy. So skills, man. You but, pick up along the way. That's awesome. So we got snakes. We got turkeys. All kinds of stuff We got wild boars. Yeah. yeah. It's like a zoo out there. And this amazing eagle. And it's not... It's a hawk. It's not an eagle. It's a okay. hawk that okay. kind of keeps... But he didn't that get that keep snake. keep down the snakes. Yeah. I know. I was kind of wondering he's, where he was at. He's slacking on Well, it. So, you, uh, you should see the snakes that you didn't see. He got those, man. Oh, he's, man. he's taking care <laughs> of you. He let one sleep okay. slip through. So last year, Henry and I are on this field trip at some nature center somewhere in Alabama, and the nature lady's doing this whole speech on snakes and everything. 
And so afterwards I talked to her. I'm like, all right, look, you know, we live on six acres of land. I'm kind of new to all this. I'm really more of a city guy. And I said, so when it comes to snakes, you know, how am I supposed to know which ones yeah. I need to let live and which ones I need to die? She goes, honey, you need to let all of them live. And she goes, besides, they can see you at all times. You just don't know it. I'm like, okay, you really are the snake lady. <laughs> like, do you talk to them? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So um, I kind of <laughs> politely turned and just went into yeah. the other exhibit. I, I think but, that was um, probably a good idea. Is that true? What's that? They're, that they're, all, like, they're always watching us? It's like Santa Claus. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think so, man. I mean, hiding out in my grass, like checking us out and stuff. You, yeah. She's just trying to scare you, man. Don't she said that. if you kill one, it'll get replaced. It's almost they, like they tell each other, like, we gotta get families this guy. of snakes that are all around us at all times. <laughs> yeah, She might have been high. I don't know. It was, a, it was an interesting field trip. So uh, I okay. digress. What are we talking about? So, uh, Thanksgiving turkeys. Yeah, yeah. Thanksgiving turkeys. Right. So yeah. shifting gears a little bit. Gentlemen, how were your weekends? I mean, well, well, yeah. Friday night was awesome. The Patriots yeah. won. I got to do the play-by-play you for the game. Did. Yeah. You did a great job. Yeah. It was awesome. Last minute fill in. I'm, I'm, hey man, next man up. You know, yeah, that's <laughs> somebody right. goes down. I get yeah. the phone call at three o'clock on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> right. I go. So um, they came back. We were losing. I say we. They were losing twenty-one to seven at halftime. Ended up winning the game twenty-two <laughs> right. to twenty-one. Right. Ooh. It was awesome. Yeah. So we advanced to round two against Homewood, yeah. which is somewhere up in Birmingham. Birmingham. Yep. Yep. Real nice They're also the Patriots. Okay. So it's the Patriots versus <laughs> Patriots. the Patriots. Okay. So uh, well, I guess on the, Veterans Day. The street on games. Veterans Day. On ve- How about what? the Patriots versus the Patriots? Well, on, the Patriots are going to win no matter absolutely. what. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're going to make the drive up Friday night. So fired up about that. But anyway, oh, great. yeah. Great weekend. Good to see uh, those young men win the game. Are they at least a different color? No, it's how red, do you white, get the blue? Patriots and not be red, black, white, and yellow? Yeah, yeah, like the, yeah, street, exactly. the Street Fighters, you know, like the colors. The Patriots are red, white, and blue, man. Come on, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't do that. What kind of question is I that? I mean, you know, <laughs> he's too used to European soccer leagues, man. I'm telling you, like he just he's like, yeah, they change colors over there too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they don't have like advertisements on their high school jerseys. I'm <laughs> that's sorry, right. that's oh, man, true. they should. They're missing yeah. out. <laughs> hey, that's probably right around the corner. Right around the corner. That's true. That was a good weekend. What about you, Matthew? What'd you do? So last week I had a busy weekend so this week we did nothing oh it was good. great good that's right because you were like in the middle of nowhere last yeah, weekend yeah. yeah oh that's right yeah. yeah no cell phone reception yeah. Yeah. yeah so you just sat around and played on his phone all weekend this that's weekend. right <laughs> yeah. for lost it, time. It, enjoyed oh, that sweet uh lte yeah, yeah. Nice. No, about you? yeah. uh so let's see saturday we went uh lena school does this thing uh called shakespeare in the park but it was inside because it was raining so it was really like shakespeare in the room where they mash <laughs> up like shakespeare what? plays with like other things so they did uh Oh, what's the one with the Scottish king? Uh, 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 Romeo and Juliet. No, anyway. <laughs> Just start listing. Yeah, Macbeth. 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 Beowulf. Macbeth. Oh, it was Macbeth. Beowulf. Yeah, yeah, uh, Macbeth. Ulysses. Yeah. Oh, the, the Odyssey. There you go. No, it was Macbeth. They, oh, mashed, up, uh, no, they mashed up Macbeth with flash dance. And so, like, any time, like, the, they were fighting, it was like a dance-off, you know? And so it was... Uh, like West Side Story dance-off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They reminded me a All lot right. of that. Yeah. Right. So anyway, so they did that, and it was really... Lena did a great job, had a big so part in it. So she was doing the dance-off? She danced. Wow. Yeah, and I, I have video of this. Did you teach her how to dance? No, thank goodness. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah. Some, somebody else far more, you know, right. far more far, rhythm. Trained. That's yeah. right. And then, uh, and then, you know, yesterday, Man, Sunday... bust out a move. No, no, I, I had moves back in the day, I ain't gonna lie. Go ahead, well, Chad. One day, you'll, yeah, you'll have to show us that. That'll be a message. I don't think they'd go over well church. Keep that's, going. That's the last Sunday in the uh, worship. Praise the <laughs> Lord with dancing, dancing, and I'm going to demonstrate. Yeah. Adam's going to dance for that's us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I can snake across the stage. So. We know he can moonwalk. Yeah, we're back to snakes. All oh, right. yeah, we did on the staff yeah. retreat. Sorry, that's true. Ahead. No, so then anyway, uh, so Sunday, uh, took the day off and actually was able, we went up, Christy's birthday's coming up, and so happy birthday, Christy, coming up soon happy on birthday. Wednesday. And uh, we went up to Birmingham and kind of did some shopping and, you know, did some food, had the girls go with us. So it was a real, real nice 
you know, Sunday afternoon. And then, I mean, obviously we got to talk. We, we, we've said that we're going to have a segment on the podcast weekly now about what's going on in college football. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so <laughs> we'll, we'll, we, we got to get to that a little bit because there were some pretty epic things that happened on, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So yeah. I'll, I'll, I, I'm not going to speak anything bad about Alabama or LSU. <clears throat> so, you know, that, that did happen. As an Auburn fan, I won't say a word. But I will say as an Auburn fan, uh, I was excited to watch my team for like the first time in two or three years. It was amazing. Watching Cadillac Williams coach that team and those boys go after that, it got me fired up, man. We lost. It didn't feel like a loss. So I was, I was about to say it should feel like a loss. I forgot, to research. Not, man. I forgot totally forgot to research this. I was going to research this when Cadillac – was he on the 04 team for Auburn that went undefeated with Jason Campbell at quarterback? Man, I Ronnie, don't know the answer Ronnie to that. Williams. Was it Ronnie Williams? Who was the other running back? The other running back is from Cartersville, Georgia. Uh, went to the same high school okay. as Trevor Lawrence. Okay. So I remember watching Cadillac play at Auburn. And if he was on that 04 team, y'all got robbed. They went undefeated yeah. and didn't get to play for a national championship. Right. They were the only team that season to defeat four teams with nine wins. Yep. I remember this because yeah. Georgia was one of those teams, Matt. Anywho, um, I yeah. guess that's exciting because Cadillac did a good job. Well, he just showed up, man, and he had that kind of – I mean, he, he's an Auburn guy. Like He's fantastic. Yeah. He's a, an and amazing he had human energy, being. energy, yeah. and he – you know, and, and here was a really cool thing. So a press conference afterwards, they were talking to him, and he talked about how the previous night they had had a chapel and eight of these guys had gotten saved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cadillac's – he's yeah. the awesome. real deal. It's just yeah. great. So as an Auburn fan, it's very exciting to it's see, nice see to that see. happen. But yeah. That's good. And then yeah. obviously Georgia yeah, had I mean, a good weekend. All these Tennessee fans are chirping all week online, <laughs> and so that's fine. You know, run your mouth. Right. Um, I've been there as a Georgia fan, running my mouth, and then got run out of stadium. This so is true. I've learned yeah. my lesson over the years. Keep my mouth shut. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, hey, the, the Georgia won on Saturday, <clears throat> but um, – you know, in, in sports, Monday, the Monday after the sports weekend is always overreaction Monday. Sure. So, you know, that team's the worst because they lost. That team's the best because they won. They play these things called seasons. Right. There's still a lot <laughs> right, of games right. left to be yeah. played. So, yeah, I mean, end of the day, these are all young men. They're in college. They're student athletes. They're doing the best they can. A team's got to win. A team's got to lose. Yeah. Um, I don't think Alabama's necessarily played bad this year. No. Um, I feel bad for them. They got a couple not. losses. I think Brian Kelly recognizes it's my first year. I'm not going to get run out of here in year one. Right. Why not go for two and see what happens? Yeah. He goes for two, gets it. You know, these things happen. But, hey, it's just sports. Two years ago, didn't Alabama lose to LSU and Auburn? No, three years ago. Uh, 2019, they lost to LSU and Auburn in that the same correct. regular season. Yeah. Came yeah. back the next year, won the national championship. Right. So, yeah, yeah, that's what they do. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately the biggest the biggest story that I'm super interested in. Obviously, I follow my team, the Dogs, but I'm just still super interested in who Auburn's going to hire. Yeah, you know, because um, one of the names that keeps getting thrown out there is Hugh Freeze. Yep. Who I want to stay at Liberty because I'm a fan of Liberty, and all he <clears> did was take his team to Arkansas and beat it, Arkansas on the road. Yeah. So I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to yeah, totally yeah, yeah. hire Hugh Freeze away from Liberty. Liberty's ranked now, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah better record than Notre Dame, better record than insane. BYU, you just know, insane. all these things. So uh, well. anyway, it'll be exciting to see what Auburn does with their coaching search, but um, it's just the best time of the year. I love right. the fall. I love college football. <laughs> right. I think it's great. Even if your team didn't win, man, it's just it's a great time fun. of the year. Yeah. yeah, and we just need we just need the temperature to turn down a, a few more degrees. That I would think. be helpful. That would I be think nice. we get some yeah. cooler weather over the next week. That would be nice. So that would yeah. be nice. I, I would I would like, like that a lot. Next weekend, that would yeah. be nice. That, that would or be this good. coming up weekend. All right, but so we're in our worship series. We are in our worship we're series. We're going to talk yep. about the the message. <laughs> yep. Um, which was a different kind of message. So um, yeah. hopefully, I didn't lose too many people halfway no. through the message. But I got to hear hey, about y'all's worship songs. I thought it was the best one you've ever preached. We'll get You're to that so in a minute. Full yeah. of it. I want to hear about y'all's worship songs. Well, there's, right? a yeah. 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 Oh, there's a reason why. There's a reason why. The Bible chat. Yeah. All right. So, Matt, what's your worship song you want to talk Mine about today? Is, uh, uh, Oh, Praise Him by the David Crowder. Oh, band. that's okay. a great win. All okay. This for a King. All yeah. This for a King. Yeah, yeah, okay. 
Yeah. Old Crowder. Old yeah. Crowder. Did you ever get his Sunsets and Sushi CD back yeah. in the day? Yeah. I think so, <laughs> like yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. 05, maybe? Yeah. 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 It's kind of yeah. had this. Old Harry Styles stealing it from him. You know? I remember oh, okay. going to see, for real? What are you talking about, man? You threw me off there. <laughs> you can't do that. It's way too many ADD people sitting no. at this table. The sushi reference, he did that in his new... Uh, anyway, it, yeah, like, it's not like a direct correlation. So I but. went to see Crowder at something that Louis Giglio was doing years ago. I mean, years ago, like 15 years ago. And I don't know if he still does this, but he had a dude like, with a turntable up there yeah. like, during the yeah. worship set. Yeah. He played DJ, or he was DJ and played the violin, too. Yeah. Yeah. Same guy. Did I both. mean, yeah. that's multi-talented. Yeah, I've never right? seen yeah. that in a worship set. We might break that out, Matt. Well, the worship band. Uh, Get somebody B-Wag up there with a turntable. The robot drummer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Get, and wanna, they use the Guitar Hero guitar. Maybe yeah. during the Christmas series. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that's so that's your song. song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my song, man. That's <laughs> your song. Not really. <laughs> uh, so I've got, uh, it's kind of an acoustic song. It's called I Will Follow by Vertical Worship. I don't know if you remember Vertical Worship or not. They were, they had a few yeah, kind of bigger songs. Uh, uh, let's say early 20 teens, I think, around that time, mm-hmm. maybe maybe mid. Uh, a little bit more obscure of a song, but, but <clears> just a great reminder about like, no matter matter what happens i'm going to follow god's lead if it's good if it's bad no matter what it is and so it's that's been a song that's been uh helpful to me at different times in my life cool so i like it what about you yeah i'm gonna need a shout to the lord i mean Uh-oh. we sang it this week <laughs> and um i was really excited to get to see that we, we sung that song so it was not the easiest to research because so many people have done the song right. now yeah. so the best i can tell it was originally written in 93 and then released in 94 for the first time, okay. but then kind of went mainstream in 96 on a mm-hmm. larger album from Hillsong. Darlene Darlene Sheck. Darlene I can never Sheck. figure out how to say her name. We have Joya Sheck. I told Joya yesterday. <laughs> we got Joya Sheck singing. Um, but all kidding aside, so mid-90s, going to all of these camps as a high school student, you know, I think I've said this before. We went from doing Pharaoh, Pharaoh to the next year singing songs like Shout yeah. to the Lord. Yeah. It was the first time I'm with a thousand teenagers and we're singing these songs. And I'm like, whoa, this, what are we doing? Like, right. we're, we're worshiping God. Yeah. And that song really launched a lot of different movements, um, kind of a worship renewal, mm-hmm. you know? And then if you really look at it, and I could nerd out on this <clears throat> for a while, um, a huge a boom in church plants in the mid nineties, mid to late nineties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would venture to say that in just about every single one of those, that song was being sung. Um, the church that started in the high school I graduated from North star church. It started in 97. I graduated high school in 97, so 25 years ago and um, was the first church I then worked at. And that song basically helped launch that church. Wow. So, you know, when you you think, why does God use certain songs, not just at a local level, but at a global level and for decades? Yeah. That's an interesting question that we don't always know the answer to. Um, There's a few other songs that we could go to, which I'm going to talk about in the coming weeks on this podcast. But there are some common themes. If you really pay attention to the lyrics of that song, it's super biblical about describing who God is and then describing what our response should be in light mm-hmm. of who he is sure, yeah. and then describing nature's response in light of who God is. And you put all that together and it all it's not inspired by the Holy Spirit the same way scripture is, but you get really almost a modern day psalm is what comes out of this yeah. when you That's really true. read the lyrics yeah. about it. And obviously that phrase, shout to the Lord, is taken directly from a psalm. <clears throat> so an anointed <clears throat> song that... Um, that God has used, and I just always think, what 
what must it feel like to be the person who wrote that? Right. You know, so at some point, Darlene Sheck is in her living room going, honey, hop in here for a second. Tell me what you think about this course. You know, she's probably a little, you know, hesitant. I don't right. know. Does this song connect? Yeah. I think the Lord put this on my heart. It's like, oh, God's going to use that song for decades. You know, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. she doesn't know in real time. She's right. just being faithful to write it. And so um, great song. I was excited we did it. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing it kind of get back into the rotation. Everything that gets it, old it? becomes new again. That's right. And so um, I offended Joy because I asked her if she even knew about the song yeah. <laughs> before before we had. Joy so she about like, walked off the yeah, stage a like, minute prior. Yeah. I, I was like, yeah, I was, that was offending people. I, I, I was like, it's actually meant to. Okay, you know what? I'm sorry, Joy. It's like I apologize, <laughs> but you know, yeah. it's, it's like a whole generation has you know as is here now leading us in worship right. that mm-hmm. didn't grow up with that song. Yeah. So anyway, great yeah. song. I'm glad so, we sang it yesterday in church. So so you mentioned that was kind of like a new psalm. So speaking of psalms, that's what the message was all about this past mm-hmm. week. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And so, you know, I want to, you said something at the beginning of your message. I want to kind of circle back around to that and, and unpack it for just a second. You said that there are more than 400 quotations from Psalms in the New Testament. And the next book of the Bible is Isaiah, I think you said, with 47. So, like, that's crazy. Why do you think that Psalms gets quoted so much in the New Testament? So we did Promises of Christmas last Christmas. I believe that's yeah, right. Yeah, so we used Isaiah a lot in mm-hmm. that series. Most of those Old Testament references from Isaiah are prophetic in nature, and you can find them around the birth of Jesus. Right. You know, so that's kind of what's happening there. So, you know, after the message yesterday, if if what I said is true, and I believe it is, that the book of Psalms is telling us the story of God's faithfulness and the response of his people, well, what story? The story spread out over several centuries. Sure. Basically, the Hebrew people's story, the story of the Old Testament <clears throat> constructed in the book of Psalms. Well, then you could kind of see how there's a lot of content to pull from there, regardless of whatever you happen to be writing about, inspired sure. by the Holy Spirit. So oftentimes, uh, Paul is is pulling directly from Psalms to make a point in light of the finished work of Christ. He's pulling a prophetic you know, uh, passage about okay. Christ. Yeah. Uh, Jesus quotes Psalms constantly yeah, throughout yeah, yeah. his three years of public ministry. I mean, when he actually is hanging on the cross and says, my father, why have you forsaken me? That's a direct quote mm-hmm. from Psalms. So, yeah, it's just so much content covering so many years that it would stand to reason that if you're going to have a point of reference, that would be the point of reference. It also says something about that being the point of reference in light of, and this is my just speculation, in light of the gospel being available for Gentiles. Mm -hmm. So, you know, do you have an Old Testament reference from obscure ceremonial laws, or do you pull it from Psalms? It's a little easier to identify with from someone who has no background of Old Testament law. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it doesn't require background knowledge, gotcha. background okay. information, okay. understanding <laughs> why hand-washing was such a big deal. You know, we weren't talking right. about germs. It was like ceremonial stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot happening there as well. But just the breadth of content is probably the biggest reason. Okay. Yeah. Well, we went through some of the different psalms, you know, psalms of praise, lament, uh, thanksgiving, mm. trust. Um, and then you got to imprecatory songs. That, that word always gets me every yeah. time I say yeah. that. Um, but, you know, those songs are uh, spoken against enemies. Um, so why do you think God included that in there? Uh, because it kind of goes against the nature to pray for others, you know, bad things to happen yeah, to others. Right, right. Yeah, I think you know when you see something in the Bible that you ask, why is that there? Mm-hmm. That that doesn't seem to fit some of the major themes that I, I tend to read about in the Bible. You know, why is it there? And so it's good to do some study and yeah. some exploring and 
And this is where context is helpful. So I always think of context three ways. There's historical context, Mm -hmm. there's grammatical context, and there's literary context. So historical. When was this written? Mm -hmm. What was going on at the time? Uh, Grammatical. Let's not make it say something to us that it never meant to its original audience. So I know that's what that word has meant for 2,000 years, but it sure does make it sound better if we change it to this. Well, you can't change it, right? And then literary. Is this a poem? Is this a um, is this a metaphor? Mm-hmm. Is this a historical account? I mean, I can read Luke, and it sure is written a little differently than maybe some of Paul's letters or the Book of Revelations. Right. You know, Song of Solomon, Proverbs. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what am I reading here? Is this a text or or, or a term paper? Right. You know, if you're <laughs> right, sending right, a friend yeah. a text, right. it's different than if you <clears throat> are a term paper. If I read Hamilton by Ron Chernow, I read that differently than reading the Harry Potter series. Right. Okay, so we <laughs> Wait, understand <laughs> how to think of literary context. Right. So if you apply all of that to what's happening here. And then you look at the New Testament. Mm-hmm. In the New Testament, we're supposed to pray for our enemies. Well, what's going on? Well, in the New Testament, we're not in the middle of conquest and taking the promised land that God said we should take. Yeah. We're, we're in the middle of spreading the gospel in light of the good news of what Jesus has accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. Right. So not only is that a different context from what mm-hmm. we're reading, it's a totally different tom- context historically mm-hmm. and what we're actually supposed to be about. Gotcha. But nonetheless... I do think the heart of the imprecatory psalms is that we are calling on God to act on behalf of himself. We're not asking God to vindicate us. If you read the imprecatory psalms, it's not David crying out to be vindicated personally. It's David crying out for God to vindicate God's name in light of what's happening that God's name could be called into question. And so there is that. But then there is also in the New Testament this idea, don't seek revenge for yourself. You know, I'm paraphrasing here. Leave that up to God. Yeah. There is something to that. Mm -hmm. Our God is still a God of justice. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, God is not a God of injustice. And so if there's injustice that's happening in the world, calling on God to act upon those who are being treated poorly, to calling on God to act and do something about mm-hmm. this in light of you being a holy, righteous, just God, mm-hmm. that's appropriate. Yeah. Right. So these aren't just haphazardly written, somebody having a bad day. They're just as <laughs> right. equally as inspired yeah. as the rest of the Bible. I do think it's appropriate to pray them as long as we understand that at the end of the day, it's not really about our vindication mm-hmm. as much as it is about God's glory, God's name, and ultimately in faith recognizing that there will be a day where God's justice is on full display for all to see. Right. So we're actually praying in faith for that day. Yeah. Whenever God sees fit to make that happen, is it at the final judgment, or are there ways he can accomplish that along the way? Right. But um, they're there. And then I do think it's important to acknowledge, you know, that's one of eight different types of psalms. And mm-hmm. if you put the volume of the other eight compared to that, it's very, very small percentage. Right. Yeah. And sure. so, you know, we're talking about it, but we're also talking about it in light of maybe it's three to five percent of the content of the entire yeah. book of Psalms. Yeah. So it's not like it's a major part of the entire book. That's yeah. good. So we, we got to bring up the fact that you compared uh, the book of Psalms <laughs> to Star going, Wars. Man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, I'm flattered. I appreciate that. Everything you said. <laughs> How it, long was the conversation between you two talking about? <laughs> longer than Adam Did you have wanted to, cut to be, it I'm off? sure. But here's what was really funny. You know, I'm driving up to Birmingham, and so my phone just starts buzzing. And I'm like, wait a second, what's going on? on here so i knew when you talked about it in both services so that made me laugh uh people are like he's talking about star wars i'm like that's awesome well, he was asking me and i said i don't, i'm not the guy you need to ask <laughs> uh, so let's let's back up for a second so let, let's explain for those that may have missed it why did we compare the book of psalms to star wars 
Okay. It was really good, by the way. Yeah. Well, thank you, Matt. It's kind of you. So I, I liked I, the correlation. Again, um, let me just encourage everybody who's listening to this podcast, become a student of the Bible. We've never lived in a time as a people in all of church history where it's easier to become a student of the Bible. Mm. Um, actually, I need, to, I need to post this on social media. I was reading a book on Friday, and I took a picture of the cover of the book, and I f- totally forgot to share it because it's, it's just so good. Okay, It's a theology book, and I was like, I got to share this. Like, If you're just looking for a great book, I might actually do a men's group on this at okay. some point. Um, don't hold me to that. I need yeah. a few other things to rotate off my my um, current responsibilities. Become a student of the Bible. Understand what's happening in books of the Bible that you read. So let me just give you a very long way of getting to your answer. Okay, so hang with me. When you read Genesis, if you know that Moses is writing Genesis after God's people have been rescued from Egypt, that helps. Hmm. So when's Genesis written? Well, it's written hundreds and hundreds of years after the fact. Mm. And there's a reason why Genesis 12 to Genesis 30 is really important. There's a reason why we kind of get through creation, the fall, and the flood in a really short amount of time. It's like, shouldn't we spend more time explaining how the world was created? No, that's what science would ask of us. But what Moses is trying to do is tell these people their story of Yahweh God and how Mm -hmm. he's always been involved. Now, if you understand that, you won't ask questions of Genesis that it's not supposed to answer. Now, I believe the world was created in six literal days. I have have no problem believing that at all. But, but but, But I understand that that's not what Moses was sitting down to do inspired by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Sense. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes people want the Bible to say things that it, they would never place that set of criteria mm-hmm. on any other piece of literature. Right. right. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, yeah. We did a study uh, with the students actually not too long ago, and the focus of that was less less on the how and more on the who and why. And yeah. that's kind of what I hear yeah, you yeah. saying. Yeah. So if you go to the New Testament, you can't then say, well, okay, so this letter called Ephesians that all of you think Paul wrote. It's not like that. It's more like Moses. Hmm. It was actually written 500 years later, and it was somebody that was acting like he was Paul, writing on behalf of Paul. Because see, like, remember how Moses, and, and what this guy's trying to do is tell Christians, here's your story. And it's like, yeah. no, that's a bunch of baloney. That's not at all. That, <laughs> right. It's Paul. He wrote the <laughs> right, letter. Right, right, we can't right. <laughs> So you need, see what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now let's get yeah. to the book of Psalms. <clears throat> The book of Psalms wasn't written like the book of Genesis. It wasn't written like Ephesians. It was written like Psalms. <laughs> so if you understand that, well, how was it written? Oh, it was written over several centuries. Yeah. Well, who was it written by? A whole bunch of people, <laughs> some of whom we know, some of whom we don't know. Right. Well, did some of them write more than others? Yes. Is all that true? How did we figure? How did it get put together? Well, it got put together over time. And it was finally set in its final form in 250 BC. We know this from the Dead Sea Scrolls. The compiler. That's what I'm going to call him. The, the compiler. compiler. <laughs> Maybe his name, his name was Bob. I don't know. <laughs> probably not Bob the compiler. Probably not in Hebrew. <laughs> probably a priest. Um, the compiler of Psalms was super intentional about how he laid out the order of God's involvement in his people's history, God's story, and how they should respond. And so the only way I could think to maybe figure out a corollary is Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So there's nine episodes, but 
but they weren't written and communicated in the order that I would think you would sit down to write nine episodes. I think you would write episode one, then episode two, then episode three. <laughs> no, it was episode four, five, six, one, two, three, seven, yep. eight, nine. Yeah. Over the course of <clears throat> 1977 to 2019, mm-hmm. 2017, yep. that's like 40 years. Mm-hmm. So over the course of 40 years, nine stories were written that aren't really telling one story nine times, they're telling one big story, but there's nine different stories that are helping you understand this one big story, and it's arranged in a way that you can't miss the story. Right. Is that fair? Yep. Okay. Yep. So, and then there's all these different characters and subplots and, you know, all these different things. Sure. But 50 years from now, 100 years from now, like, that is set. Unless somebody comes along and says, let's do 15 more episodes. <laughs> Money. You know, I mean, I, I think it that's kind happen. of Disney Plus which, which now. Which will happen. Yeah, Disney yeah, Plus yeah. with yeah. all these little spinoff doing, series. Yeah. TV shows now. So it was compiled together, structured this way to tell a story. So if you look at Psalms and you recognize, I said five episodes, episode one, two, three, four, five, each constructing of these particular Psalms with clear transitions from one episode to the next that we need to pick up on. Mm -hmm. Why was that Psalm dropped there? And then right immediately the next one right after it. Mm-hmm. Why why what the compiler is is He's is screaming us. at us, yeah. don't miss this. Right, yeah, yeah, right. And anybody living in two fifty BC who is among God's people would have immediately known what was yeah. happening. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of a background of what's going on. And, and and the whole reason I wanted to do that, I really wrestled with with this message on where God was kind of taking me to take our church with this message. My hope, and I, and I hope this is what comes out of this, was with a little bit of that. Of, of that knowledge and, and insight, can you worship through the entirety of the book of Psalms? That any time you could be in God's Word in the book of Psalms, and if you know, what episode am I in? What's the what's happening here? What, yeah. What's trying to be told here? And then now these words should jump off the page a little bit more. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, that's yeah. Good. So, you know, that was kind of the goal and maybe using Star Wars as a, as a correlate. I, I was hoping that would be helpful because yeah. it's a, maybe an example people are familiar with, but I don't think most, most folks when they go to the book of Psalms uh, know that that's what was done with the book of Psalms right. because it's very unique. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not talking about another book. I'm talking about Psalms and yeah. it was done that way. And, and it is a very unique book in all of God's word because it was done that way. Yeah. I really like how you you encourage us to see the uniqueness in some of these different books. Yeah. And we've talked about this several other times, you know, about how some people expect, you know, different signs or wonders. You're like, no, 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 that was unique for that time. That was unique there. And I love how, you know, I think it's so important what you're saying there to research these different books to understand, you know, how they are unique and how they should be studied differently. I think that's really good. Yeah, you know, following that trend, you know, the psalms put together to tell a story of God's faithfulness and how we are to respond to that. You know, what what are some ways that psalms tells us to respond to God's goodness, and what does that look like in our lives? Well, I think the biggest thing it tells us is that God's goodness is not dependent on our circumstances. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a pretty common theme in my preaching. Yeah. Um, because I have to constantly remind myself mm-hmm. of that. You know, we talked about that this, I think, a couple weeks ago in the worship series. But you can read a book of uh, uh, one of the Psalms, and like first 15, 20 verses, it's like, oh, it's all bad. <laughs> it is all yeah, right, bad. Right, right. You know? And then all of a sudden, there's that turn. Yeah. But when I entered into your presence, mm-hmm. but when I entered into the temple courts, mm-hmm. when I began to sing your praises, it's like... I'm not going to act like everything's great when yeah. it's not. Yeah. I, that's one thing I love about Psalms is it gives us permission to tell God, hey, this is how I see it, yeah. Yeah. but I'm still going to enter into your courts right. of thanksgiving and praise. And then in light of that, I'm going to offer up worship to you for who you are. Mm-hmm. So the goodness of God isn't dependent on our circumstances. And when we express that, it's this great, it's this great statement of faith. 
Yeah. We're still going to hold to the truth, God, that you're good, even though the temple is in rubble and we're being taken to Babylon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that that's, that's a declaration of faith of the goodness of God. And so I, I think that responding to God for who he is in light of anything that's going on in your life is a theme that we all have to be reminded of because we are all so quick to stop worshiping when the circumstances of our life aren't going well. Yeah. That's really good. And, you know, it's interesting you talk about that. I think, you know, we tend to sometimes try to even cover up how we're really feeling even when we talk to God, right? You know, right. We, we try like, to pretend it's okay, <laughs> buck up, and God's going, I see every single bit of that. Just be honest with what me. What are you, you doing? Know? Yeah, I think that's really interesting how we do you. that. Yeah. Yeah, you don't that. have to make your prayer sound spiritual. Right. Yeah. Right. You don't even have to be spiritual. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> you can actually tell God what you are thinking or feeling and here's what we talked about last week, because of what Jesus did for you. Mm-hmm. So you're approaching God's throne with boldness and confidence because of Jesus. Right. This is a gift you've been given, that you actually can express to God what you're thinking, feeling, seeing, emotions, all of it. He already knows. Yeah. He already knows. And in some supernatural way, when we're honest with God about what's going on in our life, it actually strengthens our relationship with him. It doesn't hurt it. You know, in human dynamics, which is what we all do, we project onto God the way we think. Big mistake. We project onto God the way we interact with one another. Big right. mistake. So in human dynamics, I mean, if Chad's really, you know, mad at me and he, he says – if he, he says to me what he really thinks – what he's really thinking of me, he may think, well, that might somehow, you know, hurt our relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because Chad's a good guy and, and he's a good friend <laughs> and he's a human being. So we tend to think, well, that, God's that way. Right, right. Now, if you tell God what's on your mind, in some way God uses that raw honesty to, to draw you in. So one of my big principles to, you know, communicate to people when they're walking through seasons of grief – is you need to draw near to God. Draw near to God. Don't turn from God. Mm. Draw near to God. Go go to God with your grief. Go to God with your frustration. Go to God with your hurt. Sometimes we let those emotions push us away from God. Mm. And God says, no, come to me with that, that he welcomes that. And so I think the book of Psalms gives us great hope and encouragement in that uh, because we see David doing that a lot mm. in the book of Psalms. Yeah. And wouldn't it, isn't it interesting that he's mm. called a man after God's own heart right. with that level of, of, of honesty? Yeah. yeah. You know, speaking of David, you know, your first point reference the covenant that God made with David. I believe it's called the Davidic covenant. There you That's go. a good name for it. You know, can we talk a little bit about the story behind that covenant being made and the significance that that has for us today? Uh, yeah. How long do we have? So, uh, <laughs> as long as you want, man. So, um, all right. So hear me out. There's a part in the Bible that I think a lot of Christians have misinterpreted over the years. Okay. That um, I get it, why there's a little bit of a misinterpretation. I'm not trying to sound like a know-it-all, but I do think it's important to understand truth <laughs> um, in light of error. So a lot of—I've heard this a lot over the years, that, that God never intended for Israel to have a king. That, that, that the Israelites said, we want a king, and it's like God threw his hands up in there and said, okay, fine, I'll give you a king, yeah. and gave him a king. As if like this whole Davidic line to get us to Jesus was God having a temper tantrum in response to his people asking for a king. It's like, hold on a second here. Right, right, right. But I've heard that before. Yeah. So what's happening there? If you read, again, get into the text and understand it and, it's, and, and interpret it appropriately in light of its context, when God is saying that he doesn't want his people to have a king, the, the, the implied understanding of the context is like all of the other nations. What are all of the other nations' kings like? Well, they're oppressors. Right. They're takers. 
They're, they are not worshipers of God. Yeah, they yeah. are making Conquerors, people worship yeah. them, yeah, yeah, yeah. build statues and idols in their name. So the Israelites are looking to the nations and saying, Samuel, give us a God like that. And and Samuel says, no. And, and, mm. and God finally says, they're stubborn people, Samuel. I've been dealing with them for centuries. Go ahead. Give them a king like that. Well, who do we get? We get Saul. Mm. We are supposed to pick up on the comparing and the contrasting between Saul and David when we read the development of kings in Israel's history. So Saul is the king like the other nations. And what does he do? He acts just like the king of the other nations. Now, interestingly enough, Saul does have prophetic gifts given from God. If you really want to let your head spin around for a little while, read the passage where it talks about God removing his spirit from Saul. And even after that, Saul continuing to prophesize Correctly, accurately. There's one for you. So this whole idea of Saul as a king not like the king that God desired for his people, and then David being that king. So what's the happening there? Well, Saul, big, mighty, strong warrior, handsome. Everybody knew who Saul mm-hmm. was. Everybody said, of course, this is who needs to be our first king. Right. Well, then when we get to David, his own dad doesn't even think he's worthy. You know, so God loves to do this over and over in the Bible. It's like, I know culture says it's the oldest. I'll take the youngest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we see it with Jacob and Esau. We see this. We see it with Rachel and Leah. We see this over and over. So now we get to David. God's like, yeah, seven strong, burly, awesome dudes, just like Saul. Mm-hmm. No, I want the little shepherd boy that's a man after my own heart. Mm-hmm. So what's happening there is God, again, he's even showing us more about his nature of who he is. So then God makes this covenant with David. Because ultimately, Jesus is going to fulfill three roles. Now, he's fulfilling a lot more than that. But again, I'm tying Old Testament and New Testament. Jesus is going to be prophet, priest, and king. So when David becomes king, we've had prophets, we've had priests. Now we have a king. And ultimately, prophet, priest, and king in the Old Testament, these are just guys. But God's using them in a special anointing to to accomplish specific tasks for whatever point they happen to be in the timeline of God's history, but ultimately they are pointing us to Jesus Christ. Hmm. Prophet, priest, king, all fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. We call Jesus now what? King of kings and Lord of lords. Hmm. So David is the forerunner. He is the person who gets us the line of David to get us to Jesus. Now, why does it have to be a covenant? Because we'll mess it up. (laughs) So when God establishes a covenant, here's what he's doing. He's making sure that we won't mess it up. Mm. God's going to be faithful to his covenant because God's the one who's made the covenant. It's not a contract. It's a covenant. It's not conditional. It's a covenant. Are there consequences when we violate the covenant in the Old Testament? Yes, they get exiled for 70 years. But ultimately, God's faithful to his covenant because of who God is, not because how his people act in light of the covenant. (laughs) So yeah, the Davidic covenant is huge. It's foundational in our theology, and it's foundational to getting us to King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who ultimately reigning now will reign forever for all of eternity in a way that we understand it literally as a, as a king of kings and lord of lords. But yeah, David as king is is one of the most significant things in the entire Bible. That's good. Man, that is really good. So um, I think your third point uh, about how we respond to God's promises of faithfulness um, and how it's not lining up with our current reality, that that's really important because, you know, I know a lot of folks that are walking through that or have a family member or a friend that's yeah. going through that. Um, so what do you think these psalms, how do you think they can help these people, and what would you say to encourage these folks that are walking through that season? Your joy can only be found in the Lord. Mm. And the moment you accept that and respond accordingly 
is the moment you begin to move towards experiencing joy. As long as you attach that pursuit to anything else, you will be left wanting. Mm. You have to settle in your heart once and for all that God and God alone will be the source of your joy. It won't be a relationship. It won't be another person. It won't be a condition. It won't be a season. It won't be your health. It won't be your job. It won't be your kids. If, if, If you place that expectation on anything or anyone other than God, you will be left wanting. Mm. You have to get to the place where you recognize only the creator of me who sent his son that provided salvation for me can give me joy. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm. So everything else in your life can be a blessing in your life, but it is not there to give you joy. Mm-hmm. It, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. That, yeah. It's, it's not its purpose. But mm-hmm. we, we, what do we do? We turn our worship from creator to created things. Mm-hmm. And in the Old Testament, it was statues built of cows. No, statues built of gold, not of cows. That'd be weird. Statues <laughs> built of, of gold that looked like a that. cow. <laughs> so... It's more subtle in the New Testament. What are the created things that that seek your joy? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I get it. Life is hard. Yeah. Life is hard. We all go through terrible seasons and, and terrible loss and terrible pain and terrible heartache, and yet God can still be your greatest source of joy. And when you go to God, He, he can faithfully be that for you. Um, but... That only is the really byproduct of you expressing your worship to him. Mm-hmm. It's not like God is there to make you feel good. Yeah. It's when you tell God who he is and you respond accordingly, that actually does something for you. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So it, I know it's hard, but but this is really the only hope we have is, mm-hmm. is, is sticking to God and sticking with God and sticking close to God and worshiping God. If you try to get through this world looking for anything else to supply that for you, yeah. It might be temporary for a little while, yeah. mm-hmm. but ultimately it's going to let you down. Yeah. yeah, so kind of in that same vein, you know, I really like what you said about God's faithfulness not being people-dependent. And, uh, and yet I know so many folks that I think have developed, I mean, the only way I really know how to say it is trust issues with the Lord because people that they have trusted, whether it be a friend, whether it be a parent, whoever it may be, a pastor, I, I don't know, whoever it could be in their lives, has let them down. And so what would you say to someone who maybe has trouble trusting in the Lord's faithfulness because of the experiences that they've had in their lives. So I'm going to give you a really strange place to start answering this question. So years ago, I was listening to Sports Talk Radio, and some of the guys that were on the on-air show, they were just having this conversation like, hey, everybody should get fired at least once in their life. And and, uh, it was really entertaining to listen to these guys talk, and they're like, it's a great experience. If if you've never been fired, everybody should get fired at least once because the lessons you learn from it are invaluable, and they stick with you forever. And what they were basically saying as two guys who had been fired is like life marched on. Yeah. Like they stayed. They'd married. Their kids still loved them. They found another job. That Sometimes it's something that we've given so much of ourselves to. We think if that ever went away, I wouldn't be able to make it. Mm. And when someone takes it from you and you find out you can still make it, it's like, I'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. So in some ways, I thought about that as you're asking that question. Everybody should just get burnt by a Christian at some point in their life. Okay. <laughs> and if you haven't already, you know, good luck. Uh, because what happens is you you recognize the truth of what you're saying there. Yeah. I have trust issues with God because of a person? How dumb does that sound? Mm. Just say it out loud. One of my rules of life, it's called the say it out loud rule. Say it out loud. And if it doesn't make any sense, there's a good reason why. Okay. So I have trust issues with the creator of the universe, the almighty God who spoke creation into existence, who holds the whole world and all the galaxies and everything else in his hand, who wrote all of the scriptures inspired by the Holy Spirit, who sent his son to die for the sins of the world and then proved his faithfulness by raising him from the dead. I have a problem with that God because of a person. 
Well, when you say I, it like that, well, I mean, yeah. yeah, come on, Adam. I got nothing for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got nothing for you. Really? Yeah. Really? That's good. Okay, so what's your problem? Your problem ain't a person. Your problem is you have too small a view of God. Mm. Did you have literally attached everything I just said about God to a person? Mm. What are you talking about? Every person on this planet will let you down. Yeah. We're really good at it yeah. because we're flawed people. I love it when people say, I, I don't want to be a part of a church. It's just full of hypocrites. You know what? We've got room for one more. That's Come right. on. <laughs> hop on our hypocrite train. That's right. You're one too. All of us are hypocrites. None of us prove ourselves faithful. We right. all say we're going to do this and then do that. We have mixed motives. And if you don't think you do, come on, man. Right. Like, so if you're placing that expectation on whether or not you have a relationship with God, my, my encouragement to you slash challenge would be get into God's word and let God start speaking for himself. Let God speak for himself. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's all I'm trying to say. That, yes, I have a bad view of God because of a person. Welcome to the club. But if you let that keep you from growing your relationship with God, I mean, you, you, you are literally walking right into the enemy's trap. Mm-hmm. So your last point was about how God's past faithfulness can give us confidence for his future faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a tongue-tied. Yeah, it's a mouthful, yeah, yeah mouthful. absolutely. Um, in particular, how Jesus came at Christmas, uh, that, that gives us confidence that he's coming again. So what evidence do we have for that? And how can we... How can we know that those things are going to happen? Those things happen, and are we just to called to blindly follow that, or like by faith? Is that what we're called to? Yeah, I think we're called to follow that by faith. Um, you know, Jesus did say we need to have faith like a child. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's implying a blind faith there. Yeah. Um, so let me try to answer that a couple of ways. Um, you know, one, I, you know, for me, it's not a stretch to say I've just seen God do way too much already. Yeah, you know, I believe that God's demonstrated His faithfulness in His Word and throughout right. two thousand years of church history. Mm-hmm. It's really easy for me to go. I think God will continue to be faithful, um, but but I I don't expect everybody else to draw that same conclusion. Right. But I'm just speaking for myself. There, I've just seen too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So by faith, everything that God says that will happen that hasn't happened yet. I believe it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, just like in the Old Testament, they might have been a little fuzzy on the details. Mm-hmm. They probably wouldn't have clarified Mary and Joseph. Probably <laughs> right. wouldn't have clarified staying in a stable because the innkeeper had no room for them in the inn. Right. You know? right. Yeah, yeah. Probably wouldn't have yeah. clarified. You know, the details may have been a little fuzzy. It looks different than you think. So my my thing is the details may be a little fuzzy. Mm-hmm. I may not be able to give you all the details. Um, there are a few things in Scripture. The way I read Scripture, so let me give, okay, clarifier here. Sure. I'm not talking about points of salvation. So if you see this differently, that's okay. We can still be friends. I can <laughs> right. still be your pastor, right. I hope. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of things that I think Scripture speaks to that I think we have to pay attention to as it pertains to the second coming of Christ. One of them is, it's difficult for me to understand the events of the return of Jesus Christ absent from the nation of Israel. I just have a hard time understanding everything that I read. And that happened in 1947. So when Israel became a nation, and if you don't know that story of how Israel became a nation, it is remarkable to see God's sovereign hand and work at that. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just... If you don't think that God has continued to involve himself in the affairs of humans, like just, you know, do your research. Yeah. That would be a really good example of how that all came about, that literally the um, 
it was either Uganda or another nation in Africa that it was being debated Mm -hmm. of where to make the nation of Israel. And um, just through some, I mean, Harry Truman was really involved in this. There was another gentleman who became the first prime minister of Israel that was super involved in this. There were a lot of um, of Jewish people in the city of New York who were involved in this, as well as evangelical Christians and almost God's favor. And now we have this nation of Israel where Israel is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was this close to being on the continent of Africa. And that seems so strange for us to think of now, but post-World War II, when a lot of these decisions were being made. Mm-hmm. So in 1947, we get the formation of, of Israel. Um, that's pretty significant. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're alive in 1847 and you're reading these events about the coming of Christ, and there is no formal Israel on the planet, it's challenging to, un- it, it, to, to comprehend. Right. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. So to me, I think that was one of the things that, again, from my perspective, had to happen. Mm-hmm. It ha- we are at a point in human history where that has happened. Mm-hmm. Another thing, as I read through God's Word, that, that you have to be really careful about how you say this, because it can make it seem like the return of Christ is conditional. And so I want to make sure that I'm not saying that. But there's a lot to be said about the gospel message being declared to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. And so it's not contingent or dependent upon. It's not like, once we know this, then Jesus has permission to return. That's right. not what I'm trying right. to say. Yeah. But by all indications, by the end of this decade, we should be able to have, say with confidence that we've taken the gospel message to the ends of the earth. There are literally still places on the earth that people haven't heard the gospel message being preached. Mm-hmm. And so um, there are great efforts being made to do that. And you might read another missiologist who says, no, 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 no. We do know the gospel message has been preached over the ends of the earth. So again, there's a lot of differing mm-hmm. thoughts sure. on this. Yeah. I think that the advancement of technology and the internet and the way that my kids use technology, and I think their generation is going to play a big role in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think there's a lot in there about just the globalization of um, of the world kind of moving more in sync as one world as opposed to hundreds and hundreds of nations that have nothing to do with each other. So whether it's the United Nations or whether it's NATO or whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, all of these different things that are happening all over the world, that's really all come about post-World War II. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think there's a lot of things that are happening around the world that if you read Scripture and you read kind of some of the events that are going to be happening surrounding the return of Jesus Christ, I do mm-hmm. think it's starting to kind of become clearer that we're moving mm-hmm. closer to that yeah. could be in our lifetime. It may be for another thousand years. We ultimately right. don't know. Right. right. But um, what I'm trying to just say there is now you don't have to have blind faith. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. enough yeah. there that you can look yes. at and go, okay, yeah, yeah. there's definitely some correlations between what's happening in the world, what yeah. has happened in the world in the last hundred yeah. years, and kind of what I see when I read God's Word. Yeah, that's really yeah. good. Follow-up question, who is the Antichrist? No, I'm yeah. kidding. Anyway, we'll, we'll tackle that on another podcast. That's, that's wow. not for today. Yeah. No, no, no. We'll, we'll do a whole series called Antichrist? Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting? Uh, yeah, there you man. go. There you go. And, and we'll, we'll put names up there. And we'll, No, I'm kidding. We'll I did. That. Okay, so you brought it up. I did a message one time um, back in the day. So I and maybe I'll maybe I'll go find it. I want to say this was 2013. So I had four quadrants, uh-huh. and I took four years in, um, in history since uh, the ascension. Mm-hmm. And made the case that in that year you could have said we have an antichrist. Oh, really? Yeah. So um, the the notion was, you know, does, is Satan smart enough to know when he needs to have an antichrist ready, or does he have an antichrist prepared in every age? Oh, and so I think if you study history in light of that question, there's a few figures <laughs> that begin to emerge. I mean, ob- the most obvious one is Hitler. Right. Uh, when you begin to see like what was actually happening. And I put a map up of the world in 1943. 
And when you look at a map of the world in 1943, you begin to and read some of the passages yeah. in Revelation. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty scary. Starts to look a little. Yeah. So this was also when ISIS was. This was also when ISIS was. Um, and if you haven't studied that, that's a whole mm-hmm. different deal. Um, and their kind of ideology and kind of what mm-hmm. they were, you know, going for and what their pursuit was. And and I remember saying that um, we're going to need to really keep an eye on Syria, you know, over the next decade. Again, that, I did like in a, in a international law and debate, and that was kind of my deal. Right. So, you know, for years you could you could travel to Damascus. I mean, Syria was a, a nation that yeah. Americans yeah. were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when I, you know, basically since 2013, 2014, that's really no longer been, you know, the mm-hmm. case. Right. And just the instability. And I don't know if you're, if anybody's paying attention to what's happening in Iran right now, but there were a thousand Iranian citizens that were all put on trial last week yeah. um, simultaneously, um, which is, should be a global outrage. Um, a human rights violation that unfortunately is not getting coverage in our press for a, a number of reasons. But there are people in Iran who are speaking out against their government and um, they are being put to death. Uh, mm-hmm. We know oh, wow. Cuba um, has shut down all of their um, Internet. Uh, so th- there's there's and we helped build a, um, a ministry training yeah. facility yeah. in the nation yeah. of Georgia that's training Iranian pastors. Right. We did mm-hmm. that as Vaughn Forest Church a few years ago. So there's pockets all over the world of what we would look at as Americans and go revolution towards democracy, revolution towards freedom of speech, revolution towards right of the individual. And in these oppressive nations, um, they are continuing to squelch that out. And um, that's happening Mm -hmm. everywhere. Well, when you get that level of instability, you see what I'm saying? So part of what Antichrist, I think... As, again, I didn't know we are going to talk about this today, but I, I you know, <laughs> Good job, is um, someone who can actually be a solution to instability. Right. Yeah. So it, it, it requires high levels of instability. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. In our world. There's going to be a reason people turn to this individual. Correct. So yeah. the, the instability, and then, I mean, even our own nation, the instability yeah. that is bubbling beneath the surface right now. Yeah. You know, so we need to be in prayer for our nation, obviously, with this week, with elections that will have, you know, lots of ramifications. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there's a lot of circumstances and conditions sure. that are happening in our world right now, but we worship God for his faithfulness, for who he is, what he's done, and what we believe he'll continue to do. That's right. And so we can, we can look at all of those circumstances and continue to praise our God, continue to right. worship our God, right. continue to sing of our blessed assurance like we did in the service mm-hmm. yesterday. But I do think as Christ followers, we need to be aware of what's happening in our world. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That, that, yes. that we worship God, but our worship doesn't mean, well, now we don't have to pay attention to that. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, right. we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Right. He has us here Salt for such light. a time yeah. as this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so we need to know, to know what's help. going on in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of worship, we will be continuing our our series on worship this Sunday, yeah. uh, 9 30 to 11 a.m. Join us here on campus. And uh, if you're traveling, you can always join us online, fallenforce.com, Facebook page, YouTube channel, all that kind of good stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to this Sunday. I think it's going to be a really good one. Well, we appreciate you joining us today for the other six podcasts. And uh, on behalf of Adam Bishop, Matt Collins, Sound Guy Jonathan, and myself, we will catch you next time. 